delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. And welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Another big show coming your way. Very soon, Richard Crowell to catch up with Steve Johnson to talk about a very, very special thing that's about to happen. I'm not going to break any news just yet. I'll let Richard do that with Stevie J a little bit later on, actually very, very soon. Also, Mark Walker to join myself and Richard to analyse what's happened in the week of sport. But first of all, let's catch up and find out what's happening this weekend up in Winton. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, joining me for a chat about the final round of the 2022 AMRS is Lachlan Mansell. A big weekend at Winton this weekend. Lachlan and the prime event is the Winton 300. Good day, Shvex. Yeah, really looking forward to the final round of the AMRS at Winton. And like you said, the Winton 300, which is a classic endurance race steeped in history that goes all the way back to the mid 1980s, will be the marquee event on the AMRS program this weekend. So thoroughly looking forward to seeing a diverse field of cars fighting it out for the Michael J. Ronk Memorial Trophy on Sunday afternoon. So take us through the Winton 300 and its history. Uh, I'm assuming it's 300 kilometres of the Winton track, not 300 laps. Correct. So it's a 300-kilometre, 100-lap endurance race around Winton. And... It's an event that dates back to the 1980s when it was a route of the Australian Production Car Championship. And if you go back to that era, there were some quite high-profile names who competed in the race. So you're talking names like Brad Jones, Alan Grice, Neil Crompton, even the late, great Peter Brock and his brother Phil Brock teamed up for the Winton 300 through that period. So it ran through until 1991, uh, and then it was killed off and, and the production car championship went and did some other things. But then it was resurrected in 2011. And since then, it's been an event for a variety and diversity of different types of cars to compete in. And that's one of the, the great things about the event is it does provide a platform for grassroots, stable, club-level motorsport competitors who might have cars that are eligible for other categories like Super TT or Thunder Sports or improved production to experience the, the different aspects of endurance racing like strategy and driver changes and, and refueling. So yeah, it's become a bit of a, a must-do event for, for club-level competitors, not just in Victoria, but all over Australia. And it's complemented by some other 300k endurance races at Sydney Motorsport Park and until recently Wakefield Park as well. And every category has to have a couple of big names in there, and the Winter 300 is no exception. Two big names in the one car, Matt McAldron and Steve Johnson. Yeah, so uh, I suppose fellow podcast hosts, because they're, they're renowned yeah. for their on-the-grid podcast and radio show that also gets broadcast uh, across Australia as well. But yes, oh. Steve and Johnson back behind the wheel of the famous car number 17, but it is, of all things, a six-cylinder AU Falcon, Chevex. There you go. Fantastic stuff. And I have to correct you. Their podcast isn't called On The Grid. That's my podcast. Oh, did I say On The Grid? Yes, I you did. Oh, dear, oh, dear. 
Um, I'll give myself a slap across the wrist for that one. I meant the driver's safe. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, and you can hear that on uh, SEN as well uh, throughout the week. All right, moving on from the 300, there's plenty of other categories around. Of course, it's the uh, final round also for the TA2, which has had a spectacular year this year. It certainly has. We've seen some exciting racing right throughout the season in TA2, but the driver who comes into the weekend with a pretty comprehensive lead is another member of the Johnson family. It's young Jet Johnson. So uh, with a 91-point advantage, over Graham Chaney, it would take a pretty disastrous weekend for young Jet Johnson to lose the title. But uh, all of the Johnson family will be in attendance at Winston. Jet, his father Steve, and his famous grandfather Dick Johnson is going to be there cheering on his son and grandson as well. Fantastic. Great to see uh, the family uh, unite for uh, the one cause, and that's to see, uh, of course, Jet hopefully hold up the, the main trophy for him. And for Steve to get a win in the 300. Stock car and thunder sports, always a fantastic category. And uh, this week, there's some uh, big names there as well. Indeed, there is. So the thing about the thunder sports category is it's open to a variety and diversity of machinery. And typically, you get cars that have been modified by enthusiastic, well, I hesitate to use the term backyard mechanics because that seems a bit condescending, but in many cases, that's what they are. People who like tinkering with the cars in their own backyard. We call them gentleman drivers, don't we? Well, that that's probably a, a slightly more accurate description, I suppose hmm. you would say. But it's the thing about the Victorian region is that there are a wealth of those sorts of competitors. So you get people like Mark Tracy, who has a heavily modified BMW 3 Series that has a V8 engine under the bonnet. And Mark also owns an ex-Brytec Motorsport V8 supercar that we see running in Super 3 Series from time to time as well. Uh, another interesting car is the bright green Toyota Corolla of Travis Condon, which is powered by yeah. an LS1 V8 motor. Travis actually had a crash at Winton earlier in the year and his Corolla was quite severely damaged, but it's been repaired and it will be back on track this weekend. And uh, they'll be running in a combined field with the, the stock cars, which we've got some cars that have raced here in Australia in the old NASCAR series back in the 1990s, and also some cars that have been imported from the US. And, and some of those cars have got quite an impressive pedigree as well. Yeah, they certainly have. And we'll finish off the uh, program with the uh, the little legend cars, and they are fantastic to watch, and uh, they always provide uh, exciting racing. You and I commentated the legend cars in action at Sydney Motorsport Park back at end of September, beginning of October, and they thrilled us with their slipstreaming mm. battles down the main straight at Sydney Motorsport Park. They'll produce plenty of entertainment for us once again at Winter, and they are competing for their Australian title this weekend, they'll have five races across the weekend, including race three, which will feature the top 10 reverse grid format. So I think we can expect thrills and spills of plenty. And of course, Lockie, if people can't get to Winton this weekend, they can watch live streaming of the events? Indeed, they can. You and I and Kylie King will be calling all of the action for everyone on the live stream right throughout the weekend. It will be broadcast on the AMRS Facebook page and YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the AMRS YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. 
Good on you, Lockie. Thanks for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it. And we'll uh, catch you up there at Winton on Sunday. Looking forward to it, Shavex. Looking forward to being back behind the microphone with you. Good on you, mate. Lockie Mansell joining us, taking us through the final round of the AMRS. Back with more in just a tick. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. Well, massive weekend at Mount Panorama at the Super Cheap Auto Bathurst International. And one of the highlights, as always, it must be said, was the Gulf Western Oil Touring Car Masters. It was a hell of a show. And the man that did a lot of the showmanship on the weekend joins us on the line. Not only did he win the round, not only did he win his 50th TCM race, not only did he win Ford's 200th race, but he swept the weekend. His name is Stephen Johnson. He's back on top in TCM. He joins us on the show. Hello, Stevie J. Welcome and congratulations. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, hell of a weekend, my friend. That is about as good as it gets in Touring Car Masters. Did it feel like it was going to go that way when you got in the car on Friday or was it a bit of a surprise? Uh, no, it was actually a bit of a surprise, to be honest. I think um, the car, we were obviously P2 in practice, but um, you know, and, and we all know just how fast this year Ryan has been in that Tirana of his. So to go out there and, and to, I guess, help improve um, Russell and, and Julie Hancock's beautiful Mustang. And if anyone's been to the track to have a look at that car, it's uh, they've basically spared nothing. They've they've put everything into this car and and how it should be built and. And it's a, a beautiful car, you know, and I think equivalent build to um, to the XD, in my opinion. And, and um, yeah, it just needs a little bit more refining, to be honest. It's a bit like the XD, you know. There's, they both haven't done a lot of racing. And, and I think jumping into the car and giving them a little bit more of a direction. You know, Cam Mason was great. He gave them some good direction um, initially. And then, you know, myself jumping in and obviously racing, Mustang Sally for for the, all those years um, was able to to obviously help out improve the car and I guess you know even from Sandown to Bathurst we did make it better but there's definitely going into that weekend and even after practice um, you know I mean you don't expect to do do that at all I mean that's that's something that as you pointed out to me which I didn't know about. It's never been done before winning all four races. So um, we wanted a good showing. We knew we had a car that was pretty quick. Um, it's got a good engine in it. And um, we need that at Bathurst, but you still need a car that handles well. And and uh, it's still not handling, believe it or not, to my liking. I, I would like to change a few more things to make it better. And probably not what the competitors want to hear. If we can make that car better, it's going to be even faster. Uh, no, you're right. They probably they probably don't, but uh, it's something something to look forward to. Uh, Sally, the Mustang, of course, was and is an iconic car in Touring Car Masters. But even by the time you got in it, it was almost ten years old. So, how does this car differ? And it looks the same on the outside, but I imagine it's it's pretty different under the skin. It is. It's a lot different under the skin. It feels a totally different car to Mustang Sally. Probably more a bit of a feel more towards the XD Falcon, actually. Um, they're both uh, quite new builds um, with a lot more of the later technology in them. It feels probably it feels even a little bit better under brakes than the XD. I think that's just maybe the shape of the car and the weight distribution compared to the, 
the XD. Um, but, you know, we were getting the XD better and better with that as we went out with each outing uh, and each race meeting. So uh, a lot of differences with the two. And funnily enough, this, the things, I mean, I got to know Sally that well at the end that uh, the little issues that we were having, whether it be um, you know, handling issues or what, what it might be, I could just come into the pits and, and say to uh, to the boys that were in there, my boys, um, all right, we need to change this. And we do that and the car will respond and it will fix what we were after. Um, whereas this car at the moment, we're still changing a few different things and not knowing what it's going to do, if it's going to have the effect, the effect that we want. And that's why, you know, I'm, I quite enjoyed uh, Sandown and Bathurst, even though Sandown was fully wet pretty much, but Bathurst to just, play around the car actually went out on track it wasn't the same in any session so we actually had a different different setup slightly different setup on the car for all four races for practice and for qualifying so um uh yeah so we definitely made some progress but um uh it's a great challenge for me to to have to try to figure out again what i need to do rather than you know basically putting on an old pair of shoes and knowing exactly how it's going to feel and what you need to do to fix it you and ryan pushed each other extremely hard in both the trophy race and race four or well, the final championship race, race three on Sunday afternoon. And I had to laugh. You two both jumped out of the cars after the trophy race, which is supposed to be just an exhibition. And you were both ringing wet. And you both, I think said on the broadcast that we probably drove harder in that race than we really needed to, but we were both just really enjoying that battle. It was a, an intense fight and you were doing low 17s the whole way through. Like it was properly competitive stuff. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. And, and I guess more so for me, um, I think Ryan had that carrot in front of him to chase, but for me personally, you know, notoriously, I don't go hard in, um, uh, I don't go hard in basically the trophy race because, you know, I don't like damaging cars. I don't like wearing cars out. Um, the only time that I would do that in the trophy race uh, would be when I drop back to do some laps on my own to do a bit of testing before, um, basically before the race, the proper championship races start. Mm. So, um, so for me to do that, it um, uh, was different in a way that uh, uh, I needed to get some information um, on that car over a race run because that was the first dry full session that I had done and multiple laps in that car. Sandown yeah. was fully wet. Um, you know, we did a few laps in practice, um, which was good, but still uh, didn't get that many laps in back to back. Um, so that race was really good information gathering for me with regard to tire pressures, with regard to car balance. Um, and with regard to what I was going to be facing um, come race one. So that's the reason why we did that. Obviously, we don't need to use our championship tyres for that weekend. So we can just we just put on some older tyres so we didn't mm. need to save rubber. Um, and it was great. You know, yeah, you're right. We, we were fast. And Ryan was pushing along as well. And, um, um, you know, it was good battle and, and really good fun to be able to go head-to-head with Ryan, who's really been the pace setter all year. And the wet weather on Sunday, how was that? That was, yeah, I mean, it was it was um, not a surprise to me. I've, I've seen that sort of condition at Bathurst before, but uh, 
getting in that car and doing what we needed to do on Sunday morning, I, I really enjoy that aspect where, you know, yes, we were fast in the dry and we proved that Saturday afternoon and obviously Saturday just after lunch in the trophy race and race one. But to be able to come out and, and, and win race two the way that we did um, was quite satisfying because, you know, as we know, I've had slow cars in the past, whether it be supercars, whatever it might be, but come the wet, um, we're up near the front. And, and a lot of the time they say uh, rain is the big equaliser. And, and um, you know, yes, we had, uh, you know, Jamie Tilly. We had Jamie Tilly there right on our hammer, um, you know, on lap two or three, whatever it was. Um, but in the end, I was basically just trying to, uh, be safe, miss all the rivers, and just drive as fast as I needed to to stay in the front. Um, and as long as I could do that, um, you know, I didn't really have any moments at all. Um, I knew how bad it was coming into the chase uh, because I've seen it many times before. I knew how bad it was across the top, um, you know, where obviously Policina uh, crashed behind me. Um, so I was really only driving to, I think my last lap time was seven seconds lap slower than my lap previous lap time so yeah. i really tried to you know bring it home and and to be honest i really didn't want to scratch that beautiful car either so <laughs> so i was mindful of russell and julie's car as well it is a stunning car that thing like like so many in the field to be fair but they it is a showroom kind of race car and i love the fact that uh, they allow it to be utilized as it should be and, and driven as hard as yep. it is uh yep. so begs the question and we alluded a little bit to this in the broadcast on the weekend uh the xd true blue mark three uh what what's the situation with that and and perhaps some discussion that that could be on the market to the right buyer at some point yeah it is um you know i mean we haven't obviously ever advertised it as yet um but you know it's something that's been in the forefront of our minds with regard to obviously the the difficulty in, in sponsorship at the moment um you know, I've also got a uh, a young 17-year-old son that <laughs> seems to be taking most of the budget and sponsorship that I had um, for his racing. Um, so, you know, and I'm, I'm mindful of that. You know, I know that I really enjoy the racing in TCM. I really enjoyed my racing career. Uh, I think now it's time. Um, and if I can get the budget to, to run again, um, I possibly will, but I don't want to um affect what focus i need to do and and obviously assistance i need to do to help jet get to where he wants to so um that's at the forefront of my mind at the moment is is jet and and his racing career um i would hate to see the xd just sitting around in a garage not doing anything hence the reason why you know we're looking at the possibility of selling it there's been quite a few people that have um in expressed interest in it so you know, if the right person comes along, we may look at, um, yeah, moving it on. Um, you know, I have got an opportunity to uh, to drive with um, Russell um, and Julie next year in uh, in the green Mustang, but I just don't know if I'm going to be able to, um, you know, have that extra time that I need to to do that. That's something that I've just got to work out over the next probably three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and give them an answer so yeah so it's basically uh you know it really all comes down to to jet and, and what we're going to do with him but um yeah certainly the xd is looking like we can probably uh 
possibly put it up for sale and, and may even go to a new home before the end of the year. Mm, well, you heard it here. If uh, anyone's interested, drop us uh, a note on our socials and we can we can connect you with the Johnsons. That's easy. Uh, Adelaide 500 up next, mate. So a return to that place, which is an awesome racetrack and TCM puts on a really good show there. You're looking forward to going back there? Yeah, absolutely. I love Adelaide. It's it's a, a fantastic circuit. It's so much fun. Uh, you know, I think the the Tiranas are definitely going to be very, very fast there. So you probably won't see the dominance that you saw at um, at Bathurst in, in the Mustang, but you never know. You know, we could making a few more changes to the Mustang to make it a little bit better. And hopefully we can, uh, um, you know, be up the pointy end somewhere, but it's just a, it's going to be a mega race. And obviously the first Adelaide back in quite a few years that uh, it's been very well publicized with, with the race being terminated and, and the publicity and the, I guess, and the outcry from the, from the public of what they wanted. And, and it's back now, it's hopefully going to be back bigger and better than ever. And it's just going to be sensational to be a part of it. And finally, you're off to Winton this weekend. So first things first, Jet in TA2. So he's got a, a championship to to try and finish off well. So just talk us through that. But then tell us about what you're racing and uh, what you're going to do as a little bit of extracurricular racing this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so Jet's obviously, uh, you know, hopefully going towards the, the TA2 uh, championship. He's leading it at the moment, but um, you know he's got a little bit of work to do to to be able to take that crown. Um, fingers crossed that he can do the job that he's been doing all year, and um, and we can have a successful weekend. But um, you know we're certainly not taking it for granted. So uh, so he's going to be doing that. I'll be down there uh, assisting him with that. We've also got Matty McKeldon racing in his TA2 car that we've just finished. Well, Team Johnson's just finished rebuilding from basically scratch. Uh, it's basically, or it is a brand new car that we've built up from nothing and uh, from a frame. And um, he's going to be down there having his racing comeback after a, a massive crash at the start of last year at Bathurst, mm. where he basically wrecked the whole car. And um, so that'll be interesting. And then also, um, thanks to Stewie Lanham um, and the whole Lanham Motor Group, um, Lanham Ford, they, they actually own an AU Falcon, which has been well highly and well publicized on our, on our, uh, the driver's seat, uh, radio show. Mm. And, um, it's, it's gained a lot of traction over the last sort of 18 months. And, um, uh, funnily enough, um, Stewie Lanham bought, it was the last AU Falcon, uh, production car built by Ford Motorsport under the guidance of Howard Marsden back wow. in the day. And it was actually built for Tiger Tasmania. Yeah, right. It only ever done one Tiger Tasmania and it's been sitting around ever since. So that car has been basically rebirthed and it's had a, a big uh, amount of work and, and um, I guess refurb done on it to, uh, to get it back to, to racing, I guess, yeah, I mean, it was that old that we needed to replace the seats and the seat belts. They were all out of date. So, <laughs> wow. um, so yeah, so, Matty and I are going to team up in that. And um, thanks to obviously got the guys at Lanham's to, for doing this, which is pretty cool. You know, that, the driver's seat, the, the whole lot, it's, it's got a big following. And um, see if we can contest and, and get the AU Falcon to the end of the Winton 300. So it's 100 laps around Winton, 300 kilometres. And um, fair to say that I'm going to try to make Matty do 70% of the laps. <laughs> <laughs> 
it wasn't it your old man he said doing laps at that place was like doing laps around your clothesline at some point i think that was one of the more famous quotes he came out with <laughs> exactly exactly so um i think um you know it, this was one of maddie's maddie's thing um to do you know he's asked me what do you reckon you reckon we should do it you know what do you think i want to put you out and it was a big big weekend for jet and i'm like mm. uh, yeah i'll do it i'll i'll jump in and do one or two laps in practice one lap in qualifying and the minimum <laughs> amount of race laps so uh, he goes yep all right done so we'll see but you know maddie's racing on the weekend too so i, I won't be too uh uh thoughtless and 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 totally wear him out so we'll, we'll see how he goes we uh we may have to drag him out of the car and and do the last few laps because he could be uh, he could be a little bit puffed, the big fella, at the end of the weekend. We'll see what happens. Oh, that's excellent. That's a great story. I love it. That's going to be great fun. Uh, and you can catch the driver's seat uh, on SEN around Australia and uh, via the podcast as well. Check it out. Well worth a listen. Uh, congrats, mate. It was so good to see you back in, in Victory Lane and on the Bathurst podium on the weekend. It was awesome fun to watch and to call. And can't wait to catch up in Adelaide. Best of luck to you and to Jet this weekend at Winton. We hope that all goes really well. Thanks, Grouse. Great to be on. There's Stephen Johnson joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, time to catch up uh, with the boys, the crew back together again. Richard Crowell, Mark Walker, hello to you. Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, there was a bit going on there, wasn't there? That was a bit of a weekend. Yeah. I went to Bathurst on the weekend. Was, was that, that you? <laughs> <laughs> had, the, had the car park recovered? Yes. Do you know what it had? Uh, and oh. everything, uh, the, the combination of, and much the same has happened around my joint lately, the combination of the lots of water coupled with unseasonally warm weather and then more water, Yeah. Uh, everything was looking incredible. Like, like the joint was lush. It was properly lush wow. and everything had healed. Um, but such was such was the uh, the nature of the beast that um, my biggest complaint of the weekend was that they couldn't mow anything until Thursday because everything was so wet from all this big wet that New South Wales has been having and the flooding and all that's been going on. So everything had grown so vigorously right after the 1,000 and everything had recovered, all mm. the grass had grown back. Everything was really long, but they couldn't get to mow it until Thursday because for starters, it was too wet. And for seconds, the Bathurst Regional Council, poor people, have been having a bit on. So not only have they had one range of lot of flooding and then another, uh, last week, Bathurst was out of gas. Because of the floods, it broke the Bathurst gas pipeline. So there was something like 13,000 houses in Bathurst that were without gas. And they had to go to every single house restart the pilot light, make sure there were no gas leaks, get everything going again and make it all work. So the poor old Bathurst Regional Council were a little bit stressed coming into uh, the weekend. So they didn't get to mow until Thursday. And what that did was create the worst hay fever (laughs) that has ever happened at a racetrack ever. Yeah. Uh, And every single person I spoke to there had eyes watering and noses congested and yeah, it was it was really bad. But um, if that's that was, the worst my, thing that happens, that's my not... biggest stress from the weekend was watching the Bathurst Facebook page Monday morning mm. as the flood water rose up over each successive bridge in town. Yep. And I'm there, panicked, 
mother style texting Richard. Richard, have you left yet? Richard, have you left yet? The bridge is going to go under. The bridge is... And the bridge went under at lunchtime. So I'm yeah, glad we were... you made it back in one piece. Yeah, we were sitting at uh, at Country Coffee uh, having our, our traditional debrief breakfast. Traditional in that it's the first time we've done it after that event. But... Um, yeah, and we we were paying attention, and and fortunately, fortunately over the years you make some friends in council, and you know some people in the region. So we had a pretty good indicator of when things were going to get dicey. So we knew our uh, our absolute cutoff time to get out, and sure enough, we drove out of Bathurst about quarter past ten, and uh, by the time we got to Sydney Airport, the joint was sealed off in all directions. Wow, which was uh, which was pretty interesting. So was that yeah. due to that wall? That, did that have something to do with that wall of water that came? I would suggest. Western I South would Wales? suggest so. I've it's, never seen the Macquarie so high uh, in all the years. Well, I've it's been not going anymore because it's all spilled down. Well, but the the Macquarie River, which you cross over between Kelso and Bathurst, I mean that it yeah. literally went over the bridge. Wow! So, and when we got there, there was sort of a lane closed on the inward track from town, um, and we had colleagues staying out in behind Kelso there, out on the Safala Road. Mm. And they, it took them 45 minutes to get into Bathurst itself from there in the morning because there was only one road in and it was down to a single lane. So it was, it was Sydney spec peak hour traffic trying to get into the city on Monday. So uh, fortunately, it seems everyone's all right there. A little bit of damage, but um, they, will, uh, they will persist on and they've got two months to recover now before uh, we all go back there in, in February for the Bathurst 12 hour. But yeah, exciting times in country New South Wales. Sure, I'm yeah. glad I didn't drive up there. Uh- not bad uh, racing either. Uh, no, it was good. It was good. There was a bit going on and across the board, the I thought the product was pretty good. But as it has been throughout all the Speed Series rounds, Shannon's rounds this year really, hasn't it? Like the, it, you rarely get a dud race from those categories. But I think the main one was, was TCR and that, that had a championship conclusion worthy of the year that that category's had. And we've spoken a couple of times on this series about how uh, this has been something of a breakout year for TCR in terms of its, um, I don't know if legitimacy is the right word, but let's roll with it. Uh, and it delivered a championship finale worthy of the competitive year that it's had. And it was an epic that was, uh, I don't know if it came across on TV, but the tension there as that last race on Sunday afternoon was playing out was was pretty impressive. A couple of takeaways from it was one, Tony Delberto's team didn't know the point score situation mm. at the end of the race, which was a bit worrying that they didn't figure it out. And I don't think anyone actually did because the press release that went out with the points at the end of the race didn't quite marry up with the points that went out on Natsoff following. So it was all a bit messy and, and convoluted and not cool. I, I'm not going to I don't know which is right or wrong or what is the best outcome, but we've got two big touring car series here in Australia. We've got supercars, which is relatively spec and Red Bull and Shane Van Gisbergen have absolutely donged everyone, won most of the races, won the championship with races to spare. And on the other hand, you've got TCR that runs to this BOP parity style thing. But then you turn up in the weekend where Tony Delberto is leading the points and he was never going to be a chance. He was lucky to make the top 10 at all in any of the races because the Honda just wasn't competitive. I don't know if that's good or bad or indifferent when you sort of lob up to a racetrack and you know full well that you're not going to be competitive, even though you're one of the best competitors in one of the best cars. Yeah, I agree with that. And it does make it a challenge. They were less competitive than they thought they were going to be. 
Mm. Uh, because at Easter, the Honda wasn't the quickest car, but it wasn't as slow as it was. I mean, it was not a, it shouldn't have been a 12th place car. It was, it was really bad. And BOP, I'm sure plays a role, but at the same time, everyone else was pretty competitive. Like the, between the Peugeot, uh, all of the Hyundais and there's two, two different types of those now with that sedan thing of Josh Buckins, pretty slippery in a straight line. Um, and the other things at the front of the field, so like the Audis especially, between them, there was absolutely nothing in it. So I don't think the BOP was so far off that that they were they were that uncompetitive. Um, well, and whatever Zach, it is, whatever mechanisms I, I know, were there, it was just it yeah. was they were they were terrible, absolutely terrible. And and had race two not been cancelled because of the rain, it, it may have been a very different championship outcome. Very very different championship outcome. Uh, I'm tipping as you go down Conrad Strait, 272, 80 kilometres an hour. The one thing I know you didn't want is a blowout in your tyre, a puncher. I'm tipping now number two on that list becomes a blowout out windscreen. You're talking about Cameron Tilly and the Valiant Pacing? Yes, yeah, that TCM. Yeah, that was that was really strange. Quite Ooh. scary, if you can. Um, probably proof that you should always run your visor down. I would have thought, and probably why they're slowly trying to move away from open face helmets as well, why they're a rare thing. Yeah, strange, strange scenario for, for poor old Cam. He had a pretty challenging weekend in that thing, but um, otherwise TCM was spectacular and how good to see Stevie J. Uh, we've already heard from him in the show. How good to see him on form and right at the front of the field. It was an awesome performance. That, uh, <laughs> I had to send you a message uh, for the power rankings after that Sunday morning race. So I was like, Richard, I don't know if that was hot or not, yes. but it's something. Whatever it was, it was very good at whichever way it went because yes. it was it was absolutely crazy. You had cars spearing off everywhere. You had Jamie Tilly, uh, who was just everywhere, mm. and uh, it was that was such a cool race. But uh, they, they could have gone either way. Really, it was cool. And then even on Saturday in the first championship race, Stevie J coming from twelfth yeah. in eight laps to win, and, and he was in front before that. Um, and it's not like that field uh, is weak. Like I mean, he passed John Bauer, Ryan Hansford. Like they're pretty decent steerers that he breezed past and made them look pretty ordinary. And uh, that that much like the TCR thing, it's interesting that there's been some complaints this year that it's been Tirana City. But you look at the tracks we've been racing at; they're all circuits that reward a, a light, nimble race car like a Tirana. Get to Bathurst; it's all about grunt. And and the Tirana may have been a quicker car over a lap, but unless you can get up the hill and then down Conrod quickly, you're never going to be able to race there. So uh, it was it was a domination for the Ford Mustang, which was great to see for the championship. TCM's been really good this year. Five different winners from five rounds, five pole sitters from five rounds, and I think seven different people on the podium so far this year. So it's been a very competitive little championship, and that will go down to the wire at the Velo Adelaide 500 in a couple of weeks' time, which will be good fun to watch. I've been keeping my ad on Facebook Marketplace for a uh, very used Mercedes to show up. Man, yeah, they banned S5000s because it was for whatever <laughs> reason. But tell you what, GT3 cars have some absolute ginormous yeah. barriers there. That was mm. that was a real shocker. Um, glad that he got out of it okay. That I listened. I can't say I sat there and watched the three-hour race on Sunday. I had it in my pocket while I was doing a lot of gardening. But it was engaging, wasn't it? There wasn't a big field, but it was sort of like, what's going to happen here? Is Brock going to chase slide down? Ultimately, he did get the job done. But that was, uh, for a, a small field, there was enough there to keep you interested. 
we were talking about it afterwards, we being myself, Greg Ruston, Andy Jones, that the only time we were sort of going, oh, there's not much to talk about, was the last sort of 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, once it was pretty certain that Brock was never going to be beaten. Because up to that point, yeah, it was a pretty compelling little car race. And there was enough going on from a strategy point of view. And there was some decent little midfield battles there for, for Pro-Am and things like that that were were entertaining enough to keep us entertained. And uh, our pit lane team did a great job. I'm pretty confident we spoke to every driver at one point. Now, okay, only 12 <laughs> cars in the field. It's only 24 drivers, but sure. But they, they did the work and got to every driver. Um, yeah, I, but it was a really good race. And... And Slady and Schumacher did an awesome job, but the Audi just outgunned a little bit uh, in terms of straight line performance. The Merc was just too good and um, great drive, Brock Feeney. Really, really impressive drive from that young bloke. And and I think that's his best performance of his year in any category, to be fair, with how he's performed. So really, really good stuff. And I like the little variations in strategy as it played out as well, just between the two of them, um, you know, the Schumachers kept kept Slade in the car a little bit longer after the Jeffrey Ibrahim got in the Triple Eight car, and that gave them track position because they knew they weren't going to be fast enough. So, yeah, I, I like how that plays out. That's um, that was good fun, and that was a really enjoyable little car race to call. And as as a measure that advertising in motorsport works, uh, have you got anything to say about the Reckless Brewing Co? Uh, other than I found it quite difficult to say on air for some reason, reckless brewing. It's there's too many R's in there, but uh, yeah, they it turns out that uh, if you you can pick up a major sponsor as a brewery by going and rewiring the brewery before they move in. Yeah, that's that's nice. how it happened for uh, for young Brad. So uh, no, I, I, the team at Reckless send their regards. Actually, they did ask after you two gentlemen after their your meeting at the Bathurst. No, they did. Uh, they didn't saw... happen to hand you a uh, missing trucker's cap, did they? No, no, they didn't. Um, but they have them for sale at the at the shop. Um, we, we, we know what we're getting Shebeks for Christmas. They're uh, <laughs> actually what well, without this turning into an ad for Reckless Brewing. But if if he does want to send us a carton or two, we'd be more than amenable to that. Um, I've only got about three cans left of that pale ale. You've still that got some left. Very nice, what? yeah. How is that a thing? Well, it's been too freaking cold to drink beer. Oh, rubbish! It's never too cold to drink beer. Um, yeah, we uh, they've got some new stuff on their menu, which is nice. They're rotating through some sandwiches at the moment, so American style like Rubens and things like oh, that. Which is oh, nice. oh, was, we went there for dinner on uh, Thursday night. It was it was tremendous. Yeah, nice, 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 nice. Hey, there was a fair bit of news go down over the weekend as well uh, mm. in the various classes. Uh, the the World Tour will be coming to the Bathurst International next year. Sixteen cars guaranteed, at least from overseas, making the trip down under. Uh, I wonder how that's going to play out, if that's going to be something that's going to draw people out of the woodwork to make another trip up to Bathurst. Yeah, well, it obviously it needed to happen, and this has been on the cards for a while. So it's it's great. And, and if Marcello Lotti, who is the promoter of TCR Racing globally, if his enthusiasm has anything to go by, uh, it's going to be enormous. And he was absolutely buzzing all weekend long and... Um, uh, the plan, the plan. I'll let you in a little how the how the world works here um, for those that might not understand. So the plan was to announce Bathurst, and then just tease the fact that there was going to be a second Australian round. But in his first interview with Greg Rust, uh, and Rusty was doing the right thing. I'm trying to lead him into it. And Marcello, we're re- really excited to have you here. 
we're really looking forward to that. And who knows, maybe the possibility of the second round. And he was like, no, no, is happening, is confirmed. Straight away, was right <laughs> into it. So he was so he was so excited, so fired up. And uh, he was he did the TCR Awards presentation on Sunday night, actually, and was was just full of um, enthusiasm. So he's got four brands confirmed already. So Audi, Hyundai, Honda, and Lincoln Co., the Chinese right. manufacturer. Um, they're all locked in to run. So they'll field four cars each. So there's your 16. But there's the potential for more cars to come as well. Uh, so it could be up to 20, even possibly more than that, coming to Bathurst, and they will run with the TCR Australia field. So there's a very good chance there could be 40 cars on the grid. Wow. So if if that doesn't move the needle, I'm not sure what you can with TCR because that's about as good as it's going to get. So because we've got the probably one of the better domestic TCR championships in the world. So you throw the, the better drivers in or the best drivers from around the world and I, I think you'll get a good show. And yeah, it's like bringing, bringing global touring car racing back to Bathurst again after Super Touring and, and after Group A. What, I don't know about anyone else. I'm only speaking for myself here, but watching cars go across the top of the mountain, I think TCR cars are possibly the most fun to watch. They're the diciest. They're on edge. They're real sketchy. They're sketchy. And I enjoy that sitting trackside, you know, as opposed to something that's glued or or something that really wallows like a Trans Am car. I, I'd prefer to watch the TCR cars go across the top of the mountain. It's probably, it might not be something that absolutely resonates with anyone else, but uh yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, how that all sort of goes for next year. Do you think, you know, you guys will all debrief uh, how things went there in the weekend? What's the feeling? Was it just too close to the other Bathurst? What was the the feeling on the ground there? Because it it didn't look like there were a lot of people. No, no, the, there, the there weren't. Um, there weren't, and and I'll. I need to be careful because I'm involved here, but I, I mean, I, and, and, and man, saying that. this, it's not, it's not anything you guys have done because you're all no, busted no. a gut to get it done. And I know there was a lot of advertising done and a big concerted push because you could see it all around town when we were there a month ago. There was a lot of effort put into and branding and billboards and yeah, yeah. Like, and 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 some people are idiots because there were there were people who feel, just feel like they need to complain for the sake of it that that were sending messages going oh i was in bathurst and i didn't even know it was on it's like well every Stop single on. every single light post on george street and william street had a super cheap auto and bathurst yeah. international flag and there was the banner across the road and they drove the cars into town thursday and they had a concert on saturday night and so yeah look it it wasn't massive but then again uh, if you go back and watch the Bathurst 12 hour in 2011, the first year of the GT cars, there were bugger all people there as well. So yeah, my, my thing is, is that, so everybody that bitches and moans about how much they hate supercar racing, get off your backside <laughs> yep. and go next year. And because, because there'll be 40 touring cars there from seven or eight different brands with a bunch of global drivers, with some really good drivers from Australia, like TD and Will Brown. If you don't go to that, you're not a car racing fan. So if you don't like supercars, that's fine. I I don't care. But if you don't then, you've been crying out for an alternative. If you don't then go and support what's going to happen in 12 months time, hand in your motorsport voters card because you can you can go away. That would be my opinion. Uh, to answer your question, Mark, um, it was a good event in terms of a race meeting being run competently. But yeah, it needs it clearly needs that international element to elevate it above being 
another speed series round. And and that's what this world touring car thing will do, I think, anyway. I think sort of going back to what I was saying last week and thinking about it some more, the Easter meet, it just works easier in drawing a crowd there because if you take one day off work, you're only missing, you can have a five-day race weekend sort of thing mm. and you're not burning through all your holidays. It's a lot easier to draw people there at Easter. You know, you've got that long held tradition there and for that similar sort of grade meet this year, I think it was a lot easier to get people along at Easter time. Oh, yeah, totally. I still feel that any event at Bathurst requires a good turn up from Sydney. And it might only be three or 4,000 people to come up from Sydney just to bolster it a bit, but I reckon it needs that. And when the weather's as bad as what it's been and it was always going to rain on Saturday and all that sort of stuff, I think they're a little bit unlucky in regards yeah, to that. Yeah, and look, that, that plays a role, sure. I, I don't know if it's the Sydney turnout that's the make or break because Sydney siders don't go to their own car racing track, let alone anyone else. But... <laughs> Um, that's true. Well, they don't go to sport, really, do they? (laughs) No, they're useless. Um, for the most part, Mardi Gras gets a good turn up. Some people, yeah, well, maybe we should motorsport Mardi Gras. I don't know. The problem is, I just don't know where else you put it because you, you okay, you could go later. So you could push it well into December and maybe make it like a pre Christmas thing. And that didn't work last year, no, and that taps into your holiday. Makers, yeah, last year's probably an exception because half the country was still locked out from going, so it's probably hard to get a read. But um, so yeah, but pe- you, people have Christmas parties. It's hard. Yeah, it's a harder sell when you get into sure, December. Definitely, but but then you can't go January or February because it's twelve hour time. Yep. And then it's too close to Easter after that anyway. Like there's that not that much time between yeah. February and Easter this year or next year because of the way the Easter dates fall. And then if you go any later than late April you're buckered with the weather because yeah. it'll snow <laughs> like we saw with the 12 hour this year. So, which was really dicey getting that race in, in late May. So um, you sort of it's, pigeonholed. It's going to take time. You sort of pigeonholing two dates at that place, unfortunately, which is yeah. the way it is. But I think people are still very much 12 hour start, 1000 finish. That That's Bathurst. And I, I think it's just going to take for a, a little while and a change of mentality. We spoke about that last week, but uh, it'll happen. If, if the world was sensible, Shebex, and everyone got on, and basically if I was in charge of everything, um, you'd, you'd do like an Uber ticket, wouldn't you? Where you'd buy you'd buy one ticket and could go to all four major events. Yeah, we're talking. Or and you, you could can like, leave your tent there. Leave your tent there. Or maybe like set up a whole bunch of like Atco huts with beds in them or something that people can just rent for four weekends a year for the race meeting. I don't know. But that, that would be ideal like a massive super ticket where you can just go to all four events or you can go to corporate at all four events or the filming motel yeah that, that would be in a world of common sense that would be a nice thing but uh, as we know car racing is not about that no ain't that the truth uh not much news around in regards to supercars except the fact that they've now announced their uh testing days for gen 3 next year yeah and that'll happen late as we yep. all expected uh, the one other thing um that I quite like as a GT racing fan is GT4 moving camp and jumping in with Australian production cars because there's two reasons for that. Class X in production cars has gone pretty silly and those cars are now 350 grand to build a BMW to win the Bathurst six hour. We can go and buy a Ford Mustang GT4 car for 200. 
um, and they'll last longer and they're more reliable and they're factory supported and things like that. So nice move. And uh, everyone who drives a GT3 car hates GT4 cars because they are 15 seconds a lap slower at Bathurst and they all get to them at McPhillamy Park when you're doing warp speed and it's sketchy. And the GT4 guys don't particularly like running against GT3 cars because they have to drive in their mirror. And we, we saw that in the weekend and there were two of them. So that's part of the reason why numbers have been struggling in GT4 cars. So this might be an opportunity for them to maybe grow it. I, I don't honestly don't know if it will be the solution to getting 20 of them on the grid. I doubt it'll be 20. But if you could get 10, run them within the Prodi car fields, which outside of events at Bathurst are anywhere between 15 and 20 cars at the moment, then it might be a nice net gain for those uh, for those categories. Yeah, well, that's, that's one problem solved, isn't it? But now they still need to fix up GT3 and work out how they're going to get proper fields happening. Uh, yeah, that's for people who get paid more money than I do, mm. Shebex. Back to the Prodicar thing. Uh, I agree with you, and you're correct, but playing devil's advocate here and having a discussion about the matter, we've already got the Class X where people are seemingly happy to dolly up vast wads of cash to bang around in a BMW, which isn't something that I necessarily agree mm. with, but they do it. And there's a lot of people willing to do that clearly because the production car stuff is going really well at the moment. It, it seems to be something that we do here in Australian motorsport. We fix problems that aren't a problem. Like the formula Ford thing that formula Ford's back up and running nicely now. And we have to go in there and change all the cars and change it all up again. I just think, as it's running nicely. I think part of the problem with Class X is that they've become a bit of a, it's become a bit of a drama to itself in a way that it's become such an arm race and the cars are now at such a level. Like those things are doing t- low 20s at Bathurst, hmm. which is utterly ridiculous. So you go back to the, go back well, to the- we, we used to bang around there in 31s in a correct. Subaru. Correct. And, and that should be the pace for mine for a production car at Bathurst. And- and you know they're doing twenty threes on the MRF tire um, at Easter. If you, you, you <laughs> put them on the Yokies that they were running on the weekend in good weather, and they're doing nineteens, yeah, um, which is outrageous. So yeah. you you go and buy a, a GT four BMW M four GT four car for less money than it costs you to buy or build the car that won the six hour this year, and um, it's more reliable, cheaper to run, and will do seventeens every day. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's almost like they're, um, it, it's got to a point where they can't wind those Class X cars back because everyone's spent the money on them now. Yeah. So you, you sort of cap it off where it is now and go, okay, that's it. That's the limit. We're going to bring these other cars in that will ultimately turn out to be cheaper, faster, more reliable, easy to run. And who knows, you, you know, if you're a Toyota dealer, you might go, hey, Toyota, give me a Super GT4 or you know, Berwick Linton can go and get a, a, an M4 GT4 and, and away you go racing. So, yeah, it's almost getting in before that outright class of production cars goes completely and utterly yeah. bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, F1, Brazil. Now, I had a weird dream. Because I had a really busy weekend, so I didn't get up to watch anything. But then all of a sudden on my phone when I woke up, I see that, Haas had pole position or something. Was that mm. a dream? No. Come no. on. It didn't happen, surely. No, it did. It oh. did. Reality. 
George, was, George Russell wow. really uh, had a, a play. Did I scare you guys about role. those words? I had a dream. Yes, <laughs> sorry, it terrifies me. <laughs> it terrifies me. Um, no, it was real. It was great. That's crazy, isn't it? That's the, fantastic. The, the sprint race was the second best Formula One race of the year. I think it was outstanding. Great show. Mm. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Main race, not so much, but it was interesting. It had talking points. Yeah, the main race it had didn't lots it? of talking points, didn't it? Starting on the very first lap. Lots of talking uh, points. Well, yeah, it was more the restart that uh, was quite interesting there. The coming together between Max and Lewis, for which Max got penalised. Huh? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, not not convinced that was the right uh How How, how right is move. it that Formula One officials, like, I think Australian officials have to take some credit for being competent. Mm. <laughs> really, don't, don't well, they? I think we've got a pretty good. It's funny, isn't it? You watch overseas racing, then it's only then you realise that actually we've got it pretty good here, with how our races are managed. <laughs> but like, yeah. you drive, you push someone off the track to put them in the wrong, huh? I mm. don't understand. Yeah, I do not understand. Yeah, yeah, no, neither do I. I think there's almost a bit of desperation on Lewis's behalf, isn't it? The fact he hasn't won a race yet, yep, and and that his teammate was in front and would ultimately go on to win, but. Yeah, you know, Lewis was a good team player in the end, but clearly his car was a bit damaged and was never going to chase him down. What's that? He was a team, team, player. team player. Imagine What's being that? a team player. What's that mean? Imagine being a team player in Formula One. Wouldn't that be a unique little concept there if you're Max Verstappen? I'm he a didn't... team player, but I always go out to beat my teammate. <laughs> so, so, we're going to do this as a team and we're going to do it my way. My way. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's yeah, why. Good for George, though, to have a win. Uh, oh, that's tremendous. Awesome. Great yeah. story. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So Max, he's just he's his own credibility to him. Like, who cares? Because I mean, Ferrari equally didn't let Leclerc pass science yeah. to get points for the exact same battle, but it it didn't. But that was just Ferrari stupidity rather than. And, and it's been completely glossed over in the fact that Max mm. went full Max. But the the thing is with these Uber F one champs, they're not nice people. You go back and look at the driving tactics and how some of these absolute peak performing multi-champions in Formula One you over are so the years, spot on. they're not nice people. You don't become an F1 champ by being a good bloke, mm. do you? Yeah. I mean, obviously this one, going back to Checo fencing himself at Monaco, like Checo clearly fenced himself at Monaco, but to hold that grudge that long. Yeah, get over it, mate. Holy moly. Yeah, build build a bridge. But he's um, happy to help Chico out the next race. They're even now. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I like everyone saying that oh, Chico's going to get Max back next year. No, he's not. No, he's Max not. going to be no. half a lap ahead. Yeah, there, there's no chance. But, yeah, I, it's funny. Like, I can imagine how stressed Red Bull will be about it because the one thing they've never done is finished one, two in a driver's championship. So that's why they're so desperate to get there, um, which would be a huge result for those guys. But yeah, now I, we, I, I think he should have moved over. But that's, we feel fairly confident that uh, Daniel won't be involved in anything next year. Seems that way. Yeah. Yeah, from what he's saying, doesn't it? It seems like he's given up all hope. Well, he's not going to be racing, put it that way. No, no, no. Correct. No, but yep. I don't even know if he's got the reserve gig either. Well, well he was no. Sort of well, talking in some of the interviews on. I saw. I don't think anyone knows, do they? But uh, uh, maybe she'd come and do some TV in Australia. Australian nice. Grand Prix. I'm sure we could find Channel a spot 10. for him somewhere. Yeah. Sure. Mr. Mark Webber, that'd be great. Hmm. 
I could see that working. Probably too mad of a job, but anyway, <laughs> that's I'd, I'd be up for that to listen to Daniel. That'd be great. Uh, and then Oscar Piastri goes on to win the race or something. Oh, that'd be awkward, wouldn't it? Oh, it would be very awkward, wouldn't it? <laughs> Imagine an Alpine winning. <laughs> he's not. He's not in the Alpine. No, you're right. No, no, no. He said that. <laughs> Imagine a McLaren winning. <laughs> what? <laughs> Even more unreasonable. Uh, anything in the states, Mark? That's pretty much all done and dusted, isn't it? Not, not that I'm aware of. Might have happened, but. Uh... <laughs> Then hots and knots with thanks to our great friends at Doric. Uh, you go first, Mike. Uh, I'm going to go the F1 sprint. That was, oh, I think that was as entertaining as F1 sprint. What was the race that you back as better than that? British Grand Prix. You reckon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. British Grand Prix is the good. best car race of the year so far yeah. still to this point. Yep. Okay. yep. Oh, I quite enjoyed that F1 sprint. Mm. It's in a reasonable time slot for... Uh, for us here in Australia, it was. It was. And, and I mean, but the sprint, ah, oh, it's so many of them have been duds, but that one was good. So you know, here hotting a an F one sprint when typically they're rubbish. So if, if they're all like that, that'd be fantastic. I suppose it also helps having a a slow car on pole. Who would have thought that would have helped and things up? A good racetrack. So Interlagos is a great racetrack. So you put a, put a car race on a racetrack where there's consequence and there's great corners and challenge and you generally get a decent car race. If you had an F1 sprint at Abu Dhabi, I don't think it would be a good race because the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is never a good race either. I, I really appreciated how tall some of the catch fence there was in Brazil, but then you realise that it's not to keep the stuff from the racetrack going out. It's to keep the fans <laughs> off the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, my hot was the excitement that I got as my dream played out about Haas taking control, I think that was just fantastic. <laughs> I got excited. It was good. I didn't believe it was happening. Okay, Richard. <laughs> um, okay, I've got a couple I want to throw in because I'd like. I I think I'd like to give a hot to my mate Tony Alberto because I'm very pleased that he won the championship. Um, he's a lovely bloke and, uh, he was pretty stressed all weekend. Didn't say very much to anybody, but, uh, I was very pleased for him to have won it. But I think my, I'm going to give my hot to a category that's very close to my heart, which is touring car masters. And we touched on it early because uh, like pound for pound, if that's not the most entertaining circuit racing category in Australia at the moment, I don't know what is, it's just a great, great show. And, uh, with great drivers who rag those things as hard as they can. And even when it settled down there on Sunday and it was Ryan and Stevie J out in front doing low 17s, which is on lap record pace in those cars, driving them so hard, um, they were fantastic. So I, I really, really love TCM. It's a great category. So that's um, that's going to be my hot and I'll give a hot to um, I'll give a hot to a couple of different locations. One, Reckless Brewing. Um, outstanding to church bar. Uh, oh. we, didn't, we didn't get to go there in October, but uh, it's under new management right? and it's still just as good as the last church bar. Yep. Oh, thank um, God for that. that you've, you've rescued 2022, Richard. This is that, the yeah, they've, they've uh, made some little renos inside. So they've got like these big booths set up now where the tables were. It's, it's very nice. Um, still good vibe. Uh, and uh, full credit to the Ox. Um, in in most respects, unless you're Chris Stubbs, but I'll explain that a little bit later on. You're just about out of podcast here, by the way. Good. Uh, not, uh, 
It's a bit hard here. 2022 weather, that's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. It's that's not real good. Not hot. No, that's not. Uh, and also the, the Max Verstappen penalty, I think that was rubbish. Uh, and something that I think sort of got glossed over a bit in, in things going full max there at the end. But anyway, as they were, one race left in Formula One and hopefully they biff on again. Do you think actually, going back to that, do you think the Mercedes coming good at this end of the season is more Red Bull taking their foot off the gas and thinking about next year already? No, I think it was just a quirk of that racetrack, I reckon. You watch, Max will go and smoke them all next week, this week. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Shebex? Well, my not just is going to remain the same now until it comes out, the calendar. It's another <laughs> yeah, okay, week gone. It has to come out. <laughs> that's and fair. I'm just so pissed off. Really am. It's way too late. That's fair. That's fair. Um, my not... Um, I, I find it difficult to not anything from the weekend. I, I, I not was uh, Abu Ibrahim's shunt because that was bloody huge and uh, very pleased that he was a-okay. Um, I, I, a not is uh, my colleague, Chris Stubbs, and uh, we had a, a, a large, and it's not here. This is not a, a not directed at him, more service around him. We had a, a large team dinner on Friday night with the staff of both the Australian Racing Group and the TV production. So there were 50 odd people there Gee, right. at the Oxford. And it was really good. Great food, unless you're Stubbsy, who's was the last. Imagine being last in a group of 50 odd people, but not just last by like, second last person gets their meal and then yours is next out. Imagine like being 30 minutes late. No. Yeah, poor old Stubbsy. They forgot it? Yeah, they got missed somewhere in that large order. So um, it, so that that person who mucked that order up gets a knot from mine. I'm sorry, mistakes are made, but poor old Stubbsy. He's an absolute trooper, that bloke, and anyone else could have blown up. And needs a feed too. Yeah, he does because he's a wife, <laughs> but... <laughs> But uh, poor old Stubbsy missed out right at the very end, so uh, I have to give that uh, give that my not and standing not to rain cancelling car races. Um, oh, it still gives me conniptions. Yeah, yeah. All right, boys, that's it. We'll knock it off. There wasn't much happening this weekend, so we did well to get through <laughs> Friday. The time we did. <laughs> nice. Uh, catch you next week. Yes, uh, Island Magic preview. Shebex. Ooh, yes, nice. And we start our countdown. Have we got someone going on our behalf to Phillip Island? Yeah, do you know what? I thought I might pop over. <laughs> Actually, I think we'll both be there. You, you might oh, have beautiful. to. We, we've had a few accreditation <laughs> issues, Shebex. I'm not going to lie to you. There's been a few little procedural dramas um, <laughs> within Pyark in getting our mate Mark Walker accredited to take his excellent photos for the race talk. But Who I are think, you and what I, are you doing here? Yeah, but I think we've uh, we've crossed that hurdle and we're on the road to, uh, to being there. So... Uh, we'll preview that for you next week. And then uh, the Velo Adelaide 500 the week after flew over the racetrack a couple of days ago and it looks mighty. Beautiful stuff. All right, boys, we'll catch you next week and we'll catch you next week right here on The Grid.